Good morning, church family. How's everybody doing? Good. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. The reason you and I are gathered here this morning, because friends, the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. <laughs> so we're going to get into God's word in a moment, but before we do, uh, I wanna, we're going to watch a brief video I th- and what leads up to what we want to study this morning. So we have been studying through a book in the Bible called Mark, which is a, a, written by Mark about the life and ministry of Jesus. And so this brief video will just kind of catch us up. What's going on in Mark and where are we picking up the story this morning? Let's take a look. All right, we're going to take a look at just the rest of that video in just a little bit. But as we've been studying the life and ministry of Jesus, about two Sundays ago, I think it was, we studied our Bibles and we studied and learned more about the death of Jesus. And one thing that we noted in particular a couple weeks ago was that one thing that happened when Jesus died was this massive curtain veil in God's temple at the moment of his death was torn from top to bottom. And this signified new access that we have to God the Father because of Jesus and his life and death and resurrection. But something else really big, really startling, really interesting happened when Jesus died. So let's look on the screen here. A verse from Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 says, And the earth shook. And we just sang a song a few minutes ago where one of the lines was, the ground began to shake. A couple verses later, uh, we see it says that the centurion, this soldier, and some other witnesses there saw the earthquake and what took place, and they were filled with awe. Everyone say, filled with awe. Everybody say, filled with awe, and then say, awe, like you're in awe. Filled with awe. Yeah, okay. These witnesses saw the earthquake, the ground shake. And uh, so here we have that first Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, at Jesus' death, marked by an earthquake. And, and then, uh, and this is not unusual for me, uh, I uh, grew up, spent most of my life in California, so earthquakes are a familiar experience for me. Uh, but I know they're not quite as common around here, so I want us to get into this a little bit. I want us to get, get the feel for the significance of an earthquake. Imagine walls shaking, the chair you're sitting on shaking, the ground rolling beneath your feet. How many have experienced an earthquake before? Okay, kind of more than I thought, whether it was here in Oregon or somewhere else. A lot of you have experienced an earthquake. How many of you would say you experienced a big one? And by big one, I mean maybe a scary one, like 6.0, 7.0, 8.0 on the Richter scale. Okay, several. Those of you that have felt like you've experienced a big one, uh, what were you feeling in those early moments? How did it feel? Helpless, terrified, I heard. Scary. What else? Huh? Panic? Yeah. And I've experienced a lot of them, and it's interesting how some of them are just a quick jolt, shake, boom, and it's over, and others will go several seconds of rolling ground. It can be kind of cool, too, right? After that initial shock wears off, perhaps, after that initial worry 
uh, that initial fear, it can be kind of interesting to experience an earthquake as well. But I want us to think about this, how we react to an earthquake a little bit today. And now grab your Bibles if you would. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 16, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put the words on the screens today. Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It's where we're going to pick up the story today. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they, went, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back, even though it was very large. And then Matthew 28 adds this detail. There was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. These women were coming to anoint Jesus' dead body, wondering how they were going to remove the stone, and God took care of that for him, for them, with an earthquake that rolled away the stone. So we have an earthquake on that first Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, the Friday of Jesus' uh, crucifixion and death, an earthquake. And now we have an Easter morning earthquake as well. This first resurrection Sunday, the empty tomb opened by an earthquake. Uh, I have experience with an Easter earthquake as well. Back in 2010, I was a college pastor in the Los Angeles area, and we celebrated Easter together, gathered together like this in church that morning. And then I went back to church in the afternoon because a young couple in our church was getting married on Easter afternoon. And this is a picture of, of me in the back center and several other wedding guests uh, during the ceremony. Why are we staring at the ceiling and not at the bride and groom? Because the lights are swaying during an earthquake in the midst of their wedding on Easter. Pretty cool. So here we are looking at it. why are the lights shaking? And oh, maybe my pew is shaking too. A little bit of that. And I, 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 it was sure interesting that God marked the occasion of their wedding, didn't he? And even more impressive, God marks the occasion of the significant pieces of his rescue plan. God put into action a rescue plan to save you and me from sin and death, to give us a chance to cross from darkness into light, to go from, from death to life. And God enacted that rescue plan, and that rescue plan included the, the crucifixion and death of Jesus marked by an earthquake and his plan included an empty tomb marked by an earthquake. Significant cosmic disturbances, acts of God to mark what God was up to through Jesus. So, you know, when we come together and we read our Bible and we hear about an earthquake, or maybe we haven't really been in a big one, and we, you know, hearing about an earthquake or reading an earthquake and experiencing one is two different things. So you got that sound effect a minute ago, and I tried to ask you to put yourself in these shoes. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Put yourself there, 1989, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Imagine you're here. At 5.04 p.m., 
Latin American Studies I was underway at UC Santa Cruz. How do you feel just watching that? Anybody got hair on the back of your neck sticking up? Elevated heart rate, perhaps? I had to find the right one for you guys, so I watched a few of these. (laughs) Had a little bit of that going on, just watching it. And if that's true, just watching it, imagine how you feel or remember how you felt in the midst of an earthquake. I, I think our bodies and our minds react in big ways to that kind of act of God. And so then then what I'm getting us to think about this morning and what I was challenged with in in preparing for this morning was, if that's the way I react to an earthquake, why is it so easy for me to kind of snooze through our celebrations together of Resurrection Sunday? Why, Why is it... Why, if I'm not careful, would my default, thinking about the reality of an empty tomb, be to kind of sleepwalk through it? Been there, heard that. Maybe we've heard the story, the Easter story. Maybe we've heard of the risen Jesus in an empty tomb, and maybe we've allowed ourselves to become bored. How? Maybe Easter has become religion, ritual, checkbox, because I think I'm supposed to, more than coming to hear and meet with and reckon with the reality of a risen Savior and reflect on what the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has to do with me. Maybe we don't think about, maybe we don't think uh, that Jesus can help us in the circumstances we find ourselves in. Maybe we think in 2018 that this story from long ago doesn't have anything to do with us. Maybe we look around at the hurt and the pain and the suffering and the craziness of the world around us and we go, I don't think God's doing anything about it. Back to the Bible. You got your finger in the text still? Mark chapter 16, verse 5 now. And entering the tomb, the women saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. This is an angel. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified and dead. He has risen. He is not here. Everybody say, he is not here. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. Jesus will go before you and be in Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And check this out, verse 8. The ladies went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Trembling with astonishment is a normal reaction for an earthquake. I think we've established that. 
trembling with astonishment. Whoa, look what God can do. Trembling with astonishment is a normal reaction to an earthquake, but when I realize that the tomb is empty, that a dead man is alive again, what is my response? Do I, do we tremble with astonishment over what God has done? Let's take a look at the video that gives us the conclusion of Mark here. And of course, week after week at Faith Church, we answer that question. Yes. Jesus is God's promised Messiah, the promised rescuer who comes to rescue you and me from sin and death and get, make it possible for us to have life with God. New life now and life eternal. We say, yes, Jesus is that promised Messiah. He lived, he died, and he is alive again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And, and this is good news. And so we study the life and ministry of Jesus, and we follow along in the Gospel of Mark that we've been studying for months, and we come to this ending, and we think, this is good news, the empty tomb. He's, he's alive like he said he would, and we're expecting good news. And then the book of Mark ends with the women trembling and running with astonishment. It's not really the ending we would have guessed, but it shouldn't surprise us, I don't think. We, we may not have seen the ending coming, but I think it makes sense because what had just happened with these women? What had these women just experienced? They were walking toward a grave. They were carrying spices to complete the burial process, the embalming, the preparation of a dead body. That's what they were headed toward. They were wondering how they were going to get the rock out of the way so that they could take care of a dead body that's not there. And even more than that, why would they be trembling with astonishment? I think even more than that is this. We saw in the video earlier that Jesus, earlier in his ministry, at least three times told what he was going to do. In pretty, if you go back and study the Gospel of Mark, in pretty plain language, I will die and I will be raised again. Looked around at his disciples. Hmm, confusion. I don't get it. He said it again. I will die and be raised again. Confusion, misunderstanding. He said it again. I will die and be raised again. Confusion, misunderstanding, not really getting it. And now these disciples, these followers of Jesus, walk to expecting to find a dead body. And they go, he said he was going to rise. Trembling with astonishment. In awe in awe that Jesus is God. Trembling with astonishment, now hearing and now seeing what they heard come to reality and knowing that Jesus is who he says he is. But I know there are times in my life and perhaps there are times in yours when we have limited our understanding of who Jesus is, when we have kind of squashed him or put him in a box or tried to define him. 
And when we limit our understanding of who Jesus is, we come to this Sunday morning each year, we come to Resurrection Sunday each year, and we think, eh. And if the gospel, the gospel is a word that means good news. But if the gospel has become just okay news, because you've heard it before, or it wasn't, you weren't impressed by it, if the gospel has just become okay news, then we definitely don't tremble with astonishment. We don't understand why someone would react with trembling astonishment because, eh. But interestingly, as we've studied the book of Mark, trembling astonishment is a theme, is a recurring theme of the book of Mark. I would go as far as to say this, that the author, John Mark, when he describes the life and ministry of Jesus, I think he wants us to see that the normal reaction, the normal appropriate reaction to encountering Jesus, the God-man, is trembling astonishment. Why? Because if we go back to the several months and we think about all that we've studied, what have we seen along the way? And here's just a couple. Along the way, we have seen a paralyzed man made to walk, trembling with astonishment. Along the way, we have seen the wind and the waves, a storm, obey Jesus' commands. And along the way, we have seen a man's young daughter, dead, raised back to life. When we experience Jesus, the God-man, the, re- the normal response should be trembling with astonishment. And you know what all this tells me? All of this tells me God can help us today in 2018. What all this tells me is that, that God has acted, that he has acted to make a difference in our world, that he has acted to come and rescue you and me from sin and death. Friends, we have experienced God in the fact that he sent his son. When we encounter Jesus, the God-man, fully God, fully human, I don't know how, it's a mystery of God. When we encounter Jesus by reading our Bibles, by worshiping him, by gathering together, when we encounter Jesus, we are encountering God. And the response is, is wonder and awe an appropriate humility, and even an appropriate fear, trembling with astonishment. But Matthew 28 adds another great detail. Trembling with astonishment? Yes. But Matthew 28 adds a little detail. The ladies departed quickly from the tomb with fear, and what? Everybody say, great joy. I mean, can can we get our heads around this? The ladies have experienced, they were looking for a dead body. They did not find him. They started to think, oh, he did what he said he's going to do. Whoa. And and I I don't know how it's possible, but there is joyful, trembling astonishment. Joyful, trembling astonishment. And this Sunday morning, today, Resurrection Sunday 2018, If and when 
God breaks through to you and me, when God breaks through to our hearts and minds, when we grapple with the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done and that the grave is empty and that he's alive, there will be trembling with astonishment. The life of of Jesus, the God-man, is compelling. The gospel is life-changing. This isn't just checkbox religion, come to church, I'm a good person. The gospel, Jesus is compelling. The gospel, the good news, is life-changing, and it matters to you today and moving forward. And it matters to you that have been walking with Jesus a long time, and it matters to you that don't know him yet. The gospel is a word that means good news. And here's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news about what God has done to rescue sinful people like you and me and make it possible to be in relationship with a great and holy and awesome God. The gospel is the good news that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because he is alive, you and I can be alive too. Alive now, alive forever, walking with Jesus. The gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is that he lived the life that you and I can't because he was without sin. And that, and he, that made him the perfect sacrifice. His death means that we don't have to, that he took on our punishment for us. And his new life, his resurrection life, means that not only for him, but for us, this life is not all there is. That Jesus wants to do more in us, bring us alive, transform us, make us more and more like Jesus. And uh, speaking of people being transformed, people responding to Jesus, people giving their lives to Jesus. We had an opportunity to celebrate with baptisms last Sunday, and I want us to celebrate Just a glimpse of that again. You are buried with Jesus in baptism and raised to walk in his Look at that smile. Isn't that great to celebrate with those folks again? That is, these are our people that have responded to Jesus because Jesus rescues forgives and transforms. These are people who have responded to the gospel because the gospel is good news. And, um, and so we, this church family exists in, in, in hope, in desire, in prayer that you too will be changed by Jesus, that you will know him, that you will give your life to him, that you will follow him, that you will obey him, that you will serve him with all that you are. And so we, we want to help you in any way toward that end. And um, speaking of, of God changing lives, because that's what's happening in our church family. God is at work in and through you. He's changing us, making us new from the inside out. And the way we're going to continue that, continue asking him to do that, is starting next Sunday, we have a new teaching series through the book of Philippians. And this is going to be a blast. We're going to we're going to uh, teach through the book of Philippians, and Philippians is a book uh, about Christ and about joy and about the fact that true joy and joyful living comes as we follow Christ. 
So we're going to get to do that together. So I invite you to come back next Sunday as we kick off that series. Um, We'd love to have you join us. It's an encouraging, encouraging book uh, that I think God's going to use in our church family for his glory. So as we continue to celebrate, Christ is risen. risen As we continue to celebrate that he is risen, I would like to pray for you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you are a great and awesome and mighty God. And we thank you so much that you are also loving Heavenly Father. Because God, we need you. We need your love. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness because apart from you, we fall short. We continually fail. We do what we don't want to do. We rebel against you. But you you do not leave us there. God, you have, you have purposed, you have acted, you have sent Jesus, Son of God, God-man, to live, die, and be raised again so that we could be made right with you. So God, we thank you for Jesus and for his life, death, and resurrection. We worship and we proclaim and we exclaim this morning in thankfulness because Jesus is alive. And so, God, for me and for so many in this room, for all in this room, God, would you move? Would you help us to hear and hear you and and, and respond to the good news of the gospel? And God, I pray that you would help us to not have to figure it all out. God, help us to be okay with some mystery of God and, and miracles and empty tombs. Help us to know we don't have to figure it all out, but that, that, not, that not able to do it on our own, that not able to match up, that not able to live for you on our own strength. Instead, God, give us, call us, give us the ability today to give you our lives, to trust you for all that we need. God, I pray that uh, as we studied your word this morning, as we sing and as we pray and as we consider the empty tomb and the risen Jesus, I pray that that would bring me and everyone here to trembling astonishment, awe, and recognition of our need and recognition of your glory. And God, would you move in our hearts and minds so that we would want to surrender ourselves to you and trust ourselves to you by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.